jo- uh, look, at, look with me what we're going to look at. We're going to be looking at Matthew, uh, the 27th chapter. So you can either look uh, on the group me, or you can just literally Google Matthew 27 with your phone and you'll see it. Or you can just listen. Uh, that's cool too. Um, and so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 32 through 44. Um, but before we dig into that, uh, I'll just say real quick, I, yeah, it's good to be here. RUF, we're a Christian group. If this is your first time, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, thanks for coming even on the second to last large group. We'll be back next, next week after next and then all next semester and all that. Um, so I know that, yeah, I know y'all are tired. I know I'm tired. Semester fatigue hit me today, or well, it hit me Tuesday. I was like, oh, I'm done. So I know that y'all have been done for a while. So um, tonight we're going to wrap up our study. We've been looking at the, uh, the book of Matthew this semester, and we've been studying the heart of the king. What is Jesus' heart or his disposition uh, towards his world, towards us as his children? And so we're going to press on with that tonight. Uh, we'll have one more large group than the week after Thanksgiving, and it'll be more of a Christmas theme, shorter message, more Christmas carols, and then we'll do some, I don't know, cider or hot chocolate after this. So this is the normal one uh, that we, that we'll, the last normal one. Um, as I talk tonight, uh, if you have questions or pushback or concerns about what I'm saying, shoot me a text. You, most of you have my phone number. If you don't, the person next to you definitely does, and I will dialogue with those questions, respond to those questions afterwards. Um, So tonight we're going to look one more time at the heart of the king. The heart of the king. Uh, And tonight we're going to see the greatest, most clear picture of Jesus showing us his heart. And that's the the climax of why Jesus came, which is his death. And it, it shows us more clearly than anything Jesus' heart. And so we're going to look at how Jesus' death shows us how mockery of the king becomes worship of the king. How mockery of the king becomes worship of the king. So three things, three M's, if you're following along, taking notes. The mockery of the cross, the meaning of the cross, and the magnification of the king. Like that? Worked hard on that. The mockery of the cross, the meaning of the cross, and the magnification of the king. So I'll read this text. If you have, you can follow along. If not, you can just listen along. This is God's word. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 32. As they went out, they found a man named a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his, that is Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. There, And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by, and those who passed by deriding him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. This is God's word. 
Uh, Father in heaven, thank you that we can indeed gather tonight and sing of your goodness, that you are bringing together a great feast for all time as we look forward to Thanksgiving, that, that it is just an anticipation of the one that we will spend with you. Thank you that we can look at your word tonight, and I pray that as we are gathered here again from a lot of different perspectives and heart dispositions that you would unite us around your one word and that we would be ministered to by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so the mockery of the cross, the meaning of the cross, and the magnification of the king. That's what we're going to look at. So let's look at, the, let's look at that in that order. Let's look at the mockery of the cross first of all. So last Tuesday, if, or this last Tuesday, if you were on campus, if anywhere near Corbett, you know what happened. <laughs> there was a group of, uh, there were two men, there was a hubbub on campus, so two men who were claiming to be Christians, I won't speak to that, but they were claiming to be Christians, and they were on campus, and they were in front of the Corbett Student Union, and they were yelling, <laughs> to say the least. Um, they were yelling at people who were passing by, and they were saying some very unkind, very cruel things to people, and uh, they, they were saying some horrid names. I won't repeat them here. And then they built up a nice little crowd of people who were yelling back at them. And so if you stuck around, there was actually a bit of a hubbub, and the police got involved, and there was, it, got, it got, got a little spicy. And so there was a lot of um, mocking happening. There were people who were claiming to be Christians who were mocking NMSU students, and then there were NMSU students who were mocking back. And there was a, there was a big a big blue going on there. And... Um, so these so-called Christians were behaving very unchristlike and were mocking NMSU students, and NMSU students were mocking back. Maybe you saw it, probably heard about it. Um, so first, let me be explicitly clear here. Um, the men who were on campus last week do not reflect the teaching of the Bible. That is just that is a statement of fact. And if you don't believe me, let's study the Bible. Um, they do not rightly interpret the Bible. Um, they do not teach the whole counsel of God's word. And because their communication was so poor, I would say that they have perverted the truths of the Bible. Um, and in fact, I would be so bold as to lump them in with the group that we talked about last week. If you, if you ever want to hear what we talked about and you didn't make a large group, just Google RUF NMSU podcast and it'll pop up in all your, wherever podcasts are found. But last week we talked about uh, the group of self-righteous hypocrites that Jesus condemns. Uh, because he says in one of the places, he says they are, they're hypocrites because they close off the kingdom of God who would seek it by their bitterness and cruelty. I'd put the, that group in, in there. Um, that's a different story. Anyways, all that to say, if you were there, if you heard about it, there was a lot of mocking happening. A lot of mockery of Christians, of God, a lot of mockery of students, of uh, people. And so the preachers, in, so-called, were mocking God's word and they were mocking Jesus uh, they were mocking Jesus' mercy and grace. The counter-yellers were mocking God's word, and they were mocking Jesus' justice. And some of you, you felt that. I, I, I got a lot of texts from people who were like, this is confusing, this is hurtful, I don't know what to think about this. Uh, they come back, so we'll have more opportunities to, uh, to encounter this again. So some of you, I heard more than one passerby say, see, this is why I hate religion. I don't want anything to do with this. This is what happens of it. And, and so as a result... There are Christians who are mocked, and Jesus' name is mocked, and his holiness is mocked. And I was thinking about that as I was studying this text, and I was like, you know what? Mockery around Jesus is nothing new. <laughs> it's been going on for a long, long time. Jesus and his followers, but Jesus has been mocked, and people who are following him one way or the other, there's just been debate 
mockery around Jesus for a long, long time. And our text shows us that. Shows us the high point of, of the mockery of Jesus. And so we're going to look at that text again and see how this is happening and what it shows us about ourselves. So if you know the story of the Bible, you know that... Uh, what, what is happening is Jesus' life has kind of led to this climax where he's been arrested and he's been put on a fake trial, uh, kind of a, a, a show trial, and he's been condemned to death by the Roman government for no real reason. He's innocent of all the charges, um, but the, the Roman government has said, well, to appease the crowd, to bring peace, we will execute him. And so they say, go ahead, take your, have your way with him and kill him. And so... Uh, that's where our story picks up. And as you see right off the bat, as Jesus is going to be executed, going to be crucified, he's getting mocked by all the corner. Every corner is mocking him. And just before our story, the soldiers get Jesus together, and you know what happens. They place a crown of thorns on his head, and they place a, a fake robe in it, and a fake scepter in his hand, and they say, King of the Jews, and they mock him, and they spit on him, and they abuse him. And then it continues on. Uh, in verse 35, these soldiers, they crucify him, they divide him. So even in his death, they're just gambling over his clothing. They're being very flippant about him. They spit in his face. Verse 37, anybody walking by says, uh, where, no, sorry, where is it? Anyone, verse 39, any pity walk, walking by is deriding and wagging their head at him and, and mocking him for what he used to say. Uh, they, are, um, they put a sign on his cross which, uh, which is a mocking sign. It's a deriding sign that says, Jesus, King of the Jews, which is pretty low. It's like, this is your king. Here he is, dying in a horrific manner, naked, bloody, dying. And, and, and uh, the crowd says, well, if you're God's son, you said you were going to do these great things. You said that you were going to destroy the temple, and then you were going to re rebuild it back up. Uh, and this refers to Jesus' words that he would destroy the temple, which is the place where God communes with man and where sacrifice happens. And, and he meant his body. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But they're mocking his closeness with God. And it's interesting. They actually use the exact same words that Satan used to mock and attack Jesus in, back in Matthew chapter 4. When Satan comes and tempts Jesus, his first words are, if you are the Son of God. And now here... Full circle, at the end of Jesus' life, people are saying, they're mocking him one more time, saying, if you are the Son of God. And it gets even worse. The religious leaders, in verse 42 and 43, they really pour it on. Verse 41, the, the, the religious leaders, chief priests, elders, and scribes mocked him, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires. For he said, I am the Son of God. And, so, and then finally, at the very end, verse 44, even the people who are killed next to Jesus are mocking him. And so what we see in the text is that from every angle, every angle that is possibly coming at Jesus, he receives mockery, abuse, and ridicule. And the whole point of this crucifixion story is it's suffering, but it's not just suffering that, you know, sometimes suffering can be noble. Sometimes suffering can be something that adds dignity. No, this is suffering that degrades. This is suffering that extinguishes humanity and hope. It's suffering that humiliates. And so here is Jesus, alone, abandoned, 
and, be, and receiving the worst kind of abuse physically, emotionally, from everyone around him. Soldiers, the crowd, the temple rulers, mock- mockers, everyone, everyone's mocking him. So what do we make of this? What do we make of what's happening in this text? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. This mockery is sin. The text would be very clear. I mean, that's the, there's a spiritual lesson that, be, that extends beyond the events of this, of, of this story. And we can, in fact, I think we can boil all of sin down to mockery of the king. It's mockery of the king. It's significant that Jesus is mocked by everyone here. And what it's telling us here in this story is that all human beings, apart from God doing something radical in our lives and in our hearts, have a disposition of rejecting and mocking the king. It's natural disposition of every heart to mock God. Psalm 22 says that the fools mock and reject God in our heart. And it says all people are like this, apart from God doing something in your and my life, that, that it is the natural knee-jerk to look at God and say, I want, this is just, I'm out. No, this is ridiculous. And that's, what, that's the disposition of the human heart. And Matthew here gives us a picture of, of everyone mocking Jesus, which points us to the theology. This picture points us and teaches us the theology. The picture in the story is everyone around Jesus mocking him. The theology here is that the Bible tells us that humans naturally reject the king. That's what sin is. Sin is when God says, hey, this is what you ought to be doing with your life. Follow me. Love those around me. We say, nope, don't want anything to do it. Don't want to have anything to do about it. And I would say that this is even sometimes true, often true of, us, of Christians, of people who are here tonight, that when we sin, we are questioning Jesus' kingship. We're questioning, we're rejecting even his lordship of our lives, of our choices, of our bodies, of our minds, of our money. We're making a mockery of his worth and of his kingdom. Y'all, I do this a lot. I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not saying, I mean, this is, all, this is hu- the human sinful condition. Sin, you can boil sin down to mockery of the king. Jesus, I don't like who you claim to be. I don't think you are what you did. I don't think that, you, that the Bible is, is that accurate. I don't think you matter in my life. I think you're just some poor dude who dies on a hill, doesn't matter and affect me. And so that's what this first thing tells us. It tells us that that there's something deeply wrong with humanity, not just that Jesus would go and be rejected by the people on the hill, but that actually points to something that happens often in our own hearts, definitely in the heart of of our world, is mockery and rejection of, of the cross. And so that tells us, it begins to show us the meaning of the cross. So the first is the mockery of the cross, but it starts to show us the meaning of the cross. And and this is amazing what Matthew does here is out of the mockery of the cross comes the meaning of the cross. Out of the mockery of the cross comes the meaning of the cross. And it's actually, it's so ironic what's happening here that it almost gets funny. It almost gets comic because everyone here who is mocking Jesus is actually saying some of the most theologically accurate statements in the entire Bible. (laughs) Look at what they say. The first thing in verse 37 They say, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. That's a mocking statement. You know what else it is? A a true, accurate theological statement. Jesus is the king of the Jews. 
Jesus is the king of the whole creation. Jesus is the king that Matthew has been showing us all throughout this semester of the king who is a heart of disposition of grace and mercy. So their mocking statement is actually a wonderfully true theological statement. Out of their mockery becomes the truth of the gospel. And so we can study those. He says, you're the king of the Jews. And he says, and, and, and the rest of the gospel, the rest of the Bible would say, yeah. And he's the king of anyone else who believes in him. He's the king of all creation. It goes on. He says, verse 40, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. And the Greek here is difficult to translate into English. Literally what it says is it, it says temple destroying and builder. It's one word or it's, 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 one, it's one idea caught up in there. And it says basically you temple destroyer and temple builder, you can't look what, how are you going to save yourself? But if you think about what's going to happen in three days, that's exactly what happened. That Jesus' body, which is God dwelling among mankind, was completely destroyed and then completely rebuilt. And not only that, he is building a new and better temple. The temple is the place where God comes and communes with mankind. The temple is the place where sacrifice is made to deal with the sin of mocking God. And Jesus says, that's me. I'm the perfect and final temple that will deal with the sin problem of mockery. I'm the final temple that will bring God to dwell with you. So what they say here says, you who would rebuild and temple, the temple and re destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. And Jesus says, watch me. Watch me do it. And so Jesus, by his death and resurrection, he's making a new way for us to commune with God, not dependent on continual sacrifices made by priests, but by faith in the final complete sacrifice of himself. And this means that God, through Jesus, lives through the power of his Holy Spirit, lives in you, communes with you in his presence. That Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the mocking world, Himself, he atones and abolishes our sin. So Jesus is the temple destroyer and the temple builder. They mock him more. They say, come off this cross and save yourself. And I was thinking today, oh, how foolish and short-sighted they were when they said that. They had no idea what Jesus had in store. They had no idea that he would not only come off the cross to save himself, but he would go lower still. He would die on that cross. He would go down into the earth and stay there for three days. And then he would rise from the dead and he would not only save himself, but save everyone who believes in him. Praise God. Anyone who trusts in him gets to, is saved with him. He doesn't just save himself. He saves all of his people. That's the heart of the king, that he would die and be buried and save all who trust in him. That the source of life would die, the author of life would be buried in a tomb to save all who trust in him. Their mockery, isn't that ironic? Their mockery preaches the true gospel of salvation to mocking sinners like you and me. Their mockery is preaching the true gospel of salvation of mocking sinners. Verse 42. He saved others. He cannot save himself. And he says, that's the point. He did not save himself so he could save others. You and me. They don't know how truly they speak for hanging on that cross is one who will save others more completely than they can ever imagine. 
It's his refusal to come off that cross. It's his silence on that cross, bearing all the sin of our mockery, that he saves you and me. Verse 43, it goes on. He trusts God, let him deliver him now. He did trust God perfectly. He trusted God was good and in power and merciful in that. And God did deliver him. God tells us in the Psalms, I will not let my Holy One see corruption. He will not rot in the grave, but I will raise him up. What is happening here in this utterly disgraceful mocking moment is actually the high point, the zenith, the climax of God's great love for you and me. The high point, the clearest picture of the heart of the King for you and for me and for our world. This utterly mocking moment is actually the most glorious event in human history. Do you see that? This picture of total rejection and defeat is actually the zenith of inclusion and reconciliation that your life needs and that our campus needs, that your family needs, that we all need. No religion can turn such a low point of mockery and defeat into a glorious climax of salvation. Only Christianity can give you that. The meaning of the mockery of the gospel of God and the gospel, it's here in the heart of the king. Last one that they show us, the Son of God. Here's the funniest one, the chief priests in their final words, Jesus' most hated enemies. They say the deepest truth of the Christian message. The last words, it's so funny what Matthew says here, the last words that Jesus' worst enemies say in this whole book is, I am the Son of God. They are saying the deepest truth here, God dwelling with man. Jesus, the human being, is also God come down to reconcile us, to live with us, to bring us to dwell and live with him. What Jesus, and when they ask that question, is he the son of God? Are you the son of God? What they mean is they mean a question and insult, but it's actually the deepest theological truth of the Bible, that the God of the Bible himself, creator, king of all things, would come live, die, and save you and me. Out of the lips of Jesus' tormentors and mockers comes the most accurate list of titles that Jesus could ever give himself. Isn't that funny? It's ironic at least, it's comic at most, and it's savingly beautiful when you sit in it. That the mockery is ironic. It, it doesn't, Matthew doesn't need to correct them. He doesn't need to say, like, actually, let me set you straight. He says, you are telling the gospel in your mockery. Their mockery is the truth. He is the king of the Jews. And anyone who does believes in him, he saves them. He did die, and out of his death came life. He did trust in his Father, and he, out of that comes life. The upside-down nature of the economy of God's kingdom is that Christianity always looks mockable. Christianity looks foolish. All your friends are like, why in the world are you a Christian? And you say, that's the point. Jesus himself was mocked, and out of that comes the whole point of salvation of your world and mine. And it's so real, it's so true that, that, this, that this idea of the mockability of Jesus' of Jesus' death on the cross becomes the very ammunition that the Apostle Paul uses to then go back and mock death. Listen to what Paul writes. Paul writes there, he says, Death is talking about Jesus' resurrection. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. 
You hear what happens is Christianity takes what is mockable and then mocks death with it. That can be yours through faith in Jesus Christ. That only the Holy Spirit can take words of mockery and turn them into the great truths of the Christian message. So that brings us to the last point. The mockery of the cross, the meaning of the cross, and the magnification of the king. The magnification of the king. The Holy Spirit in our text, in our hearts, takes what's mockable about a dying Savior and turns it into worship. Turns it into magnification of the King who would do this amazing thing in my life and in your life. The heart of the King is to endure the mockery and the shame and to conquer sinners and sin like you and me. Nothing describes this better than Philippians 2. Listen to what Philippians 2 says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of humankind, and he being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted in him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What happens? That in the downward spiral of Jesus the King, out of that grows the glorious majesty of Jesus the King. That Jesus was humiliated so that he could be exalted and worshipped. In his humiliation, he is exalted. And in his humiliation, exaltation, the Holy Spirit illumines us, changes our hearts from sinful mockers to magnifying worshipers of this king. And so when you and I, when we sit in the heart of the king, when we ponder his power and his mercy that he could do this, our heart shifts from mockery to magnification to worship. Saying, I can't not but follow this king, this love, this mercy, this grace, this power. And that starts to happen in the very story that we're reading. If you look back at Matthew, just a few verses later, verse 54, verse 52, the tombs were opened as when Jesus dies, the tombs were opened and bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, appeared to many. And when the centurion, the soldier, when the soldier who were over those were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and, took what, and, and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the son of God. No mockery there. Suddenly, what was a mocking statement becomes a magnifying statement. Days later, Jesus would walk out of the tomb. His followers would see him. What would they do? They would fall down at his feet and they would worship him. And this is the Holy Spirit working in your mind, you're in my heart to illuminate the spiritual reality so that was what was mockable becomes worshipful. And here's the heart of the king clearest, most pure. The heart of the king is him taking your and my mocking heart and switching sides to becoming a magnifying and worshiping heart from disgracing Jesus to dignifying him so that Jesus becomes beautiful and wonderful and awesome 
And we want to follow Him. We want to worship Him. So what do, we do, what do we do with this? What do we take away from this? Well, first of all, acknowledge that we are all on this mockery to magnification process. We're all there. For some of you, you need to make the big switch. Some of you say, I, I've never understood it this way before. I understand now that, yeah, I've, I've mocked Jesus. I, re- I reject Him. I don't follow Him. And I want to follow Him in a way that magnifies Him. That's the big switch. Converting to follow Jesus as the King But for all of us, we are all learning to kill the old parts of us that reject him, that sinful part of us that is mocking Christ's rule and law in your life. What's that thing for you? Where's the place where you say, I don't care about Jesus the King? Where's that for you? Study the King who would be mocked to to save you. Sit in that, and out of that comes the worship and the magnification, that sanctification, slowly chipping away at the sin that remains in us and mocks Jesus to a, a, a heart posture of deep magnification. So, two quick thoughts and then I'll be done. First, there's no apathy with Jesus. There's no apathy with Jesus. The Bible says that we, we cannot be passive or apathetic about Jesus and his claims. Either we magnify him as the Son of God or we mock him. And say, if you are God's son. No one looks at Jesus and says, meh, he's a good teacher. That can't happen. You are on one of two sides, worship or reject. Mock or magnify. Which side are you on? Do you see the power and the love and the perfection of Jesus and worship him? Second, sanctification, like I said, is that process of growing into better, more heartful magnifiers. If sin is the mockery of Jesus, where are you mocking Jesus in your life right now? I ask myself that. Where am I? Rejecting Jesus' kingship, rule, and law. Unchanged selfishness, unresolved relationships, unrepentant sin. These are the places where you and I are mocking the cross, mocking the sacrifice of Jesus, and cheapening his sacrifice. Give that up. Stop. Sit in his mercy, love, grace, charity. And grow to someone who will magnify them. I'd love to process that with you. Hear your story, hear what you're thinking. In a second, we're going to sing, All glory be to Christ. We're going to glorify Christ because we as a community are trying to move from mocking to magnification because that's the core of the gospel. That is what Jesus is about. That is the heart of the king to go from sinning to glorifying Jesus because of his great love on the cross. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, um, you are good to us. That doesn't need saying, but you need, but, but it's worshipful to say it. That you would not get off the cross, that you would not judge us when we reject you, but that you would move towards us in grace and mercy, even dying on a cross in the midst of total rejection in the shame and the pain and the humiliation because you love us, you love your creation. Father, impress that into our hearts more and more tonight, each one of us. May we grow into the kind of men and women who glorify and magnify and worship you with our whole body, mind, heart, and soul. Start with me, start with this community, and and don't stop until all of New Mexico State knows Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.